Welcome to Australian Hiker. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 21 of the Australian Hiker Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about tracking poles. Are they really worth it? We're going to be looking at the advantages and the disadvantages of using tracking poles, uh, a basic overview of how to choose tracking poles that are suitable for what you're going to go through and do. We're going to look at basic maintenance of tracking poles, and we're going to look at whether one tracking pole or two is the way to go. We hope you enjoy. Now, I, I can remember the first time that I ever saw someone using tracking poles. Um, Jill and I were hiking in Peru. We'd just come down from uh, doing Mount Salkantai. We were having a lunch break with the rest of the group. And uh, we saw two American hikers go past uh, using tracking poles. Now, I'd never seen anyone using tracking poles before. I thought it was rather strange. I couldn't quite see the purpose of it. Uh, and I didn't actually think much more of it. Um, at that point, and I didn't actually think anything more of it until about six years later uh, when we uh, we decided to go through and uh, and hike in Bhutan. Uh, now, I have fairly, uh, fairly bad knees, and, and while I can walk uphill or on the flat all day without any issue, walking downhill uh, does tend to punish my knees. So I'm, I'm, while I'm faster than Jill is, uh, on the flat and going uphill, certainly she can leave me for, for dead on the downhill uh, capacity. Yeah, I had seen people using hiking poles, but I have to say, um, it, I probably had this view in my mind or this picture in my mind of uh, older hikers uh, probably, uh, you know, wandering through the English countryside, uh, looking a little bit eccentric and... Um, uh, using some very traditional gear. So it, they were something that I didn't even uh, think about for a very long time. And, and I do remember that moment when we saw the, the hikers and uh, they weren't uh, Englishmen or Englishwomen. Um, they weren't wandering through the English countryside and they had quite modern gear um and uh we definitely did start to think about it but not so much that we actually went out to purchase our own at that point so in 2012 when we started looking at going through and uh, hiking bhutan i realized that i was going to be doing a lot of uphills and a lot of downhills and i thought well there's really not much choice here i need to if i want if i want to be able to get through the trip without out being crippled i need to buy the bullet and go through and buy some tracking poles so at that stage, I, uh, I splurged out and bought uh, what was probably one of the most expensive tracking poles on the market, which was the Black Diamond Distance Carbon Z tracking poles. Um, and they, uh, uh, they worked quite well for me. Uh, and five years later, while I still have these poles and I still occasionally use them, they're still in good condition. So I'll talk a bit more about that later on. Now, so fast forward 11 years and... Uh, 
uh, and a bit of extra age. I'm now a strong believer in tracking poles. Uh, and there's a number of reasons for that. So we're going to go through and look at the advantages of using tracking poles to start with. Uh, and this is in no particular order. Uh, it was more about what came to mind than anything else. Now, the first one is to use them as tent poles for ultralight hikers. Now, there's a number of brands of ultralight tents that, um, while they will sell you as an optional extra uh, specific poles for their tents, they'll often rely on using tracking poles as the tent poles. If you actually use tracking poles now, this means that basically what you're losing out of your, the weight of your pack is the weight of your tent poles. Not a huge weight, I must admit, but it does have a benefit there. Additional traction and balance is the next one. Uh, and basically, whether you're using one pole or two, and we'll talk about that later on in this episode, um, having that additional touch point on the ground or additional two touch points on the ground gives you better footing, gives you better balance, uh, and gives you better traction, particularly if it's slippery or wet. Uh, now, I talked about first time I used tracking poles. It was in Bhutan in 2012. Um, we were going from uh, one village to the next, and... They, in the, in the aim of being helpful, had gone through and lined what was a very muddy track with these lovely smooth river pebbles. Uh, really wonderful when, uh, when the conditions were good, but on the day we went through, it was very, very wet, very muddy, and a couple of times I lost footing uh, because of the slipperiness, and it was the poles that saved me. Now, um, having said that, the poles did survive, uh, even though I managed to put quite a good bend in them by forcing my 95 kilo weight down on these poles. As a selfie stick is another, another a benefit of having them. Um, and in previous episodes or previous uh, uh, blogs, we've gone through and done a review of the stick pick, which turns your tracking pole into a selfie stick. Not a major benefit, I know, when you think about tracking poles, but if you've got the poles, you may as well use them uh, to give the, for, for everything they can be used for. Uh, and you find that when you tend to use your camera or your phone to take photos of yourself, you can see that you're actually extending your arm. You can't quite get it out of the shot. You tend to look a bit unnatural. And the, uh, using your poles as a selfie stick uh, makes it look like someone else is actually taking the photo. And who would have thought, you know, 10 years ago that that would be on the list of advantages of having a trekking pole? Okay, uh, reducing the impact on your knees when you go downhill. And for me, this is probably the main reason that I use a tracking pole. I've had dodgy knees my whole life, uh, even as uh, in my late teens. Um, so I can't really blame my age for this one. Uh, and as I said, I can walk uphill and downhill all day, but uh, sorry, uphill and on the flat all day, but downhill I really struggle with, particularly in the first day or two of a long hike. So while I usually don't use trekking poles on flat ground or I'll rarely use them going uphill uh, almost without fail I'll use them on all downhill sort of routes particularly if there's any steepness involved. When we were um, going through Bhutan uh, there was a particular part of the uh, trail that we were doing uh, that had a lot of scree and uh, a very steep decline or descent and uh, you know we really, really, really needed the, the poles at that point in time. And um, those with poles 
which was most of us, but not everybody, uh, were able to move quite quickly down that slope, um, given the stability that the polls were providing for us. Okay, some of the figures that have come out of studies done by um, by medical centres and universities, uh, universities, particularly in the states, um, uh, give an indication that um, using tracking poles downhill will reduce the compressive force on your knees by up to twenty five percent. And certainly, as I said, I can definitely vouch for this one. Um, I really do notice when I use the tracking poles going downhill; they really make my knees much happier. On the other direction, they also reduce the load of your legs going uphill. So using poles going uphill reduces the load on your legs by approximately 20%. Uh, And they also tend to ensure that you uh, stay a bit more upright. If you've got a heavy pack on in particular, you tend to sort of lean forward. Um, Using the tracking poles tends to make you a bit more upright, uh, which is better for your back. Uh, And again, reducing the impact on your knees going uphill is a bonus. Not something that really I tend to think about too much. I, I don't have an issue. Um, so for me, it's more about stability and the downhill components. Next one is to go through and fend off unruly flora and fauna. So if you are walking through an area where there is a lot of, um, uh, a lot of uh, rough bush or scrub, things like blackberries that you want to push out of the way, the tracking poles are quite handy for that. And it's also really good for clearing the way when you're for the first person walking along a trail in the morning and you don't want to uh, get covered in the cobweb. So I tend to have that option of being first. I'm not sure whether it's planned or just inadvertent, but um, if I don't have my trekking poles out, I tend to end up clearing the way for Tim uh, and clearing all the cobwebs out of the way. For slightly larger life, um, hopefully it's never needed. But I mean, if you've uh, in in the in the Americas where you have bears and slightly larger wildlife to worry about, you can use them to prod prod things off. I must admit, I don't think uh, a tracking pole is going to be particularly useful if a bear is trying to attack you. But it might make you feel more comfortable about it. Um, certainly, you know, probably the more common sort of thing is if you've got dogs that are, that are bothering you, uh, you've got something just to help push them away. Uh, last resort, uh, again, really, I wouldn't suggest prodding animals for no particular reason, but it is, as I said, it's a bit more of a, uh, a feel-good factor. The next one I'll, I'll raise is testing the ground to see how stable it is. And I'll give you an example from this. On the weekend just gone, we hiked in an area uh, on the New South Wales south coast. We'd had a lot of rain down there over a period of weeks, and the trail was prone to being very boggy, after wet periods of, of, of rain. I trod on what I thought was solid ground and sank about three inches above my ankle into mud. Um, it looked quite solid. Um, I did have poles with me, but because it was on the flat, I wasn't using them. Um, so it certainly does help to be able to test and see whether the ground is stable or not. And the last probably main uh, benefit I would say is as first aid equipment. If you're desperate, you've got a ready-made splint. Uh, And certainly if you injure your ankle or twist your ankle, having tracking poles um, is going to make it much easier to actually get out. Um, It's a bit like virtually a pair of crutches. 
So um, it's you know either as a splint if you're you're not going to be able to walk at all, or if you've got a, a twisted or or or, or sprained ankle um, to help take the weight off them. Now, like any piece of equipment, there are disadvantages. So in this case, there's not so many, um, but the first obvious one is the cost. If you don't use tracking poles, you don't have the expense. Doesn't matter how cheap the tracking poles are, and really these days in Australia, cheap tracking poles probably are around about the $70 or $80 mark. Uh, it's money, if you're not going to use it, that you wouldn't have to normally spend. The other thing is also weight. Uh, if you're not usually carrying tracking poles, um, a lightweight wear of pair of tracking poles is going to be approximately up around the um, the 400 gram, uh, roughly sort of mark. Um, and if that, if you don't normally carry tracking poles, that's 400 grams additional that you're going to have to go through and carry. However, getting back to one of our first benefits, if you are using one of the very lightweight tents that uses the tracking poles as a tent pole then really you haven't gained any more weight in that respect. They become multi-purpose. And certainly from an ultra-like hiking perspective, you try and choose gear or, or use gear that has more than one purpose. The next one is, if you're not using the tracking poles correctly, you're not really going to get the benefit from them. So tracking poles, the wrist, should be, wrist strap should be used. And if you have them correctly set up, you'll find the poles will swing without you actually having to move them um, much uh, by yourself. So I find that um, I, uh, I have, I've got the wrist straps on. If I just release the strap slightly or release the grip slightly on the handle, the pole will swing forward by itself. I don't have to consciously go through and move the poles with too much effort. I tend to use the straps... Sometimes, uh, if I'm going to be using the poles for a long period of time, I will then use the straps. Um, but I also tend to um, put the poles in one hand and walk if the ground's okay. But I want to have them handy because I know there's a piece of ground up, up ahead that I might need them on. So it does depend. If it's a long period, I'll put the straps back on. But uh, it d does depend on what the the terrain looks like the poles um, should also be uh, uh, the correct length and really the correct length um, is when you're standing still uh, with your hands on the poles in a um, basically out in front of you with your hands at uh, arms at right angles your arms should be parallel to the ground if your arms are lower than parallel or higher than parallel it means they're the wrong length uh, so this is where adjustable trekking poles come into come in use, and you need to be thinking about your wrists as well. So um, your your forearm needs to be parallel to the ground, but your wrists also need to be uh, in line and um, in mm. the same angle um, relative to the ground. The last disadvantage is using trekking poles takes up more space on the trail. So I've done a number of trails where you've had large groups go past each other um, and surprisingly enough, um, we'll, we'll talk about etiquette in a few weeks' time, but uphill hikers have the right of way. Uh, and I've come across so many people who either aren't regular hikers or don't realise that. They're coming downhill uh, and it's actually easier going downhill than it is uphill. So um, 
If you've got tracking poles, it just tends to take up more space on the trail and you need to be more conscious uh, of who has right of way and how much space you're taking up. In addition, if you happen to be carrying the poles in your hands, you haven't actually put them away, if you've got the poles pointing forward or backwards, um, particularly if you're pointing them backwards, you've got a sharp object that's pointing at someone who's walking behind. Now, it's not necessarily the, the responsibility of the person walking in front to make sure the person behind is not that close, but um, it's always nice to have a bit of space or to point, point the poles forward uh, because they are quite sharp and pointy. That's a bit of a comment about me because I, when I do carry the poles in my hand, I do have a tendency to uh, have the points facing backwards. Um, I often lead as we're hiking um, and Tim does complain let me tell you he does complain and complain quite a bit now <laughs> if if he's in danger of being poked by my poles he's too close <laughs> okay now in relation to buying tracking poles there are a number of factors to consider uh, and Really, these tend to be individual factors. Some of them you might just ignore totally. Uh, others might be quite relevant. The first and obvious one is cost. Uh, as I said, tracking poles start roughly around about that sort of $70 to $80 mark. Uh, they can go up uh, to close on $300. Um, now, whether the $300 pair of poles are going to be useful for you or beneficial, that's going to be something you're going to need to decide for yourself. You need to look at what the poles are going to be used for. Now, we talked about cost, but it's no good buying a cheap or an expensive pole if it doesn't suit your needs. I, the, the pair of poles I currently have at the moment are four-season tracking poles. They're able to be used in snow conditions, and that was the reason that I actually bought them. And, the, and what determines whether a pole is a snow pole or not is, is the main thing is actually whether they have the, the snow baskets, which are the, the large circular piece of plastic on the base uh, that help uh, the poles not sink into the snow when, you, when you're using them in, in snowy conditions. Now, I bought my current poles uh, in 2015 for use in snow conditions. And I've continued to use them even after I've come back um, and I'm hiking in, in just normal terrain without snow. I've gotten used to them. I like the length of them. Um, and they're not the lightest weight poles. In fact, the poles that they replaced uh, were much lighter. Uh, but the original poles I had weren't adjustable. So at some stage over the next 12 months, I will go back to a lighter weight pole, but one that has a bit more versatility. And I tend to use the snow baskets on uh, my poles in all conditions. Um, not sure why. Might be because I just haven't been bothered to change them. Um, I do probably prefer a slightly larger basket uh, on the end of the pole rather than just uh, uh, the point itself. So, you know, I'm not quite sure. Never really thought about that. Next time I go out hiking, I might think a bit more about that one. Okay, weight's the next factor. Um, and basically, I mean, ideally you want to carry the lightest weight poles you can get away with. Um, and this comes down to a great extent to construction and material. Um, the lighter the poles, um, 
obviously they're going to be easier and less less uh, ex- create less exertion on your body. Uh, but usually what that means is the lighter weight poles typically won't be as durable. And we'll talk about construction material in a moment. Size is pretty critical as well. And again, this comes back to in a standing positions, as we said, your arms should be parallel to the ground. So it's no good buying a pole that's cheap if it's the wrong size. And that's either too big or too small. As I mentioned, my current poles, um, the um, Black Diamond trail, uh, trail poles, um, are adjustable from around about 63.5 centimetres to about 140 centimetres, which means unless you're exceptionally tall or really, really short, uh, these poles are going to work quite well for you. Yeah, it's interesting. I've had uh, generic poles and um, not necessarily designed for women, and I've currently got a, um, a pair of uh, poles that are designed for women. Um, probably I got to confess the main reason I got them were was that they were purple, uh, but they do have a um, a slightly more appealing uh, grip for my hands, and uh, that does seem to make a difference. But I have used other other poles that are not designed for women, and they've been fine. Um, and that brings us on to the subject of male or female. Now, it's a generalisation, I know, but typically the poles that are sold for women uh, will often have smaller hand grips uh, and be purple as well. Um, but this means that if you're a smaller male, um, just because a pole says it's made for women, don't necessarily rule them out. And of course you have to like purple. <laughs> um, adjustment mechanisms. Uh, there are a few different types of adjustment mechanisms on the market. Uh, there's those that twist to, to lock themselves into place once you've adjusted them. I personally prefer the lever system that locks in place. Uh, it's what I started off with. Um, it's what I've, um, I've used, uh, so I don't have uh, 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 a negative one way or the other, I suppose. It's just something I personally prefer. Yeah, I must admit, um, I, I do likewise. Um, not having a, had a great range of uh, trekking poles, uh, partly because they are reasonably durable, but the ones that uh, did fail, and I only have one left, uh, were the twisting type. So they didn't quite work out until uh, a long life for the poles. I still have one, um, but uh, can't, uh, can't make do with one. Okay. Number of pole sections is also something to consider. Now, this is not normally a major issue, but it can be. So the more sections a pole will have, the smaller it will fall down. And this is often an issue if you're traveling overseas and you're trying to get things as small as you possibly can into a particular size bag or pack. Um, having said that, though, poles that have more sections, three sections, while they might pack down to a smaller size, will often be not as durable because there's more sections or more things potentially to go wrong. Hand grips is another one we looked at. Uh, we'll look at, and that is is typically cork versus rubber or foam. Cork handles uh, tend to mould your hands a bit better, um, but out of pef- personal preference only, I've always tended to use the foam handles, uh, and that's because I just find them more comfortable in my hands. Um, I like them during the, the, the hotter months of the year. They don't get, tend to get as sweaty as the cork ones do, and again, that's really, for me, a personal preference. 
Now, the last factor to consider when choosing hiking poles is the construction material. And really, these days, there's two main choices on the market, carbon fibre and aluminium. Carbon fibre are really the lightweight options on the market. They're strong, they're durable, they're very, very lightweight, but as a result, they're also expensive. Aluminium poles tend to be slightly heavier, uh, they're cheaper, uh, and they're very, very durable. So as I said, when I was hiking in Bhutan, I had a couple of times when I slipped and I could physically see the bow and the poles. Had they been carbon fiber holes, poles, I would have more than likely snapped them. So if you're very, very hard on your hiking poles, if you're a large person uh, that, that often brings a lot of weight down on the poles through slipping or tripping, um, then possibly the aluminium poles may be a better option. And we did see on uh, the Overland track uh, where somebody did take a little bit of a tumble and uh, their their poles were absolutely useless. By the time they got themselves up, uh, they, they, one was bent, the other one was broken. Um, so, you know, it can happen. It's not, uh, it's not common, uh, but it is something to, to think about. Now, one of the most common questions that I get asked when people ask me about hiking poles is, is one pole or two poles the way to go? Now, earlier when we talked about pole advantages, we talked about the reduction in impact on uh, compression going downhill on your knees and on the weight bearing on going uphill. Uh, And those figures really relate to you when you're using two poles. If you're using a single pole only, the benefit isn't pretty much negated. So single poles tend to be good for if you're using them for stability only uh, and you're not worried too much about the impact on your knees, um, uh, a single pole is fine. Uh, But certainly for me, I personally prefer to use two poles. Uh, I've never been, I've never found there's been much benefit from my perspective in using a single pole. I've done both. Um... Partly because when I did break one of my other poles, I only had one left. uh, And then it took me a little bit of time before I uh, replaced that one with a pair. I probably do prefer two poles. Um, Again, I don't rely on the poles and I use them when the ground's uneven, when we've got a fairly uh, steep descent probably not so much when uh, we've got a steep ascent um, but definitely downhill and on uh, you know on uh, unfamiliar ground Um, and for that reason I do think that it's better to have two rather than one Um, and I will just say uh, the point about uh, not relying on them there is a bit of a risk I think for some people who use their poles all the time to the point that they're you know quite unable or quite unstable to to some extent to walk in a straight line with their pack um, unaided so think about that it's okay to have them use them when you need them but also don't overly rely on them in a recent survey that we we undertook on um on, on our facebook page um we ended up asked we asked the question of uh, do you use tracking poles, uh, and if so, how many? And the figures came out as um, 
people who don't use tracking poles at all was about 13%. Uh, one pole only, just on 9%. Uh, and two poles uh, was 78% of the, the respondents. And again, just from what I've seen on the trail, this is pretty, pretty common. It's pretty normal. As Jill mentioned, um, don't over-rely on your poles. Um, I think one of the issues tends to be that um, if you're always using poles, your muscles will get used to that, that, that form of motion. So as I said, for me, I don't use poles on flat, flat ground unless the surface is, is very slippery or unstable. Um, I rarely use them going uphill unless I'm carrying a really heavy pack and, and trying to become an ultralight hiker, that's pretty rare these days. Uh, and going downhill is when I tend to use them. So I'll always tend to, uh, from uh, as an example, on, on our recent overland track trip, I probably use poles probably around about 25% um, of the time. And that really that was on the downhill, uh, downhill runs or, or when it was slippery. Having said that, I think we you probably use them um, much more on the Lara Pinta Trail. Um, again, there were lots of uh, rocks, lots of pebbles, uneven tracks and a lot of really steep downhill bits. Um, so it does depend on the trail, does depend on the terrain. Really, the choice of whether you use poles is up to you. Um, but certainly for me, uh, and as I said, for the majority of people we uh, that have responded to our survey, uh, and from what I've seen on the trail, tracking poles really are a good option and a good alternative. The brand, the, the model, the cost, really that's something that's all up to you. Uh, but go and try a number of different pairs. Talk to the, the people in the, in the hiking stores. Uh, see what they go through and suggest. Uh, and um, and go from there. Next week's episode is the last of our bonus episodes, and that are on the Overland Track, and that's called Episode Twenty Two: The Overland Track Interviews from the Trail, where we talk to a number of hikers to get their opinions and views views on how they found the Overland Track. Okay, hope you enjoyed this episode. Look forward to, uh, to look forward to talking to you over the next couple of weeks. That's all from me. And bye from me.